Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Nero was considered to be one of the most evil of all of the Caesars. His name is synonymous with debauchery, with sexual uncleanness, with murder. Historic accounts accuse him of killing his stepbrother, his wife, and his mother, and then persecuting Christians, blaming them for the burning of Rome, which historians believe he was responsible for. The rumor of that day was that he burned Rome to make room for an extended palace for his own glory. The fire got out of control and burned much of the city of Rome. He was evil beyond measure. But the thing which most disturbs us is that he had the Apostle Peter and his wife crucified. Shortly afterward, he committed suicide. He was a young man, maybe 30 years old, when he killed himself. Peter knows that he's going to die. The Lord has told him. And so he writes to us the first and second epistles of Peter. These are not pretty writings. They're very straight and they're very honest. And if you want to know what the raw beliefs of the Christian church were, read carefully first and second Peter. He doesn't play games. He doesn't try to please anyone. Instead, he deals with the reality of what it means to be a Christian in a pagan world. As I have considered first and second Peter, I've had to deal with a very painful issue in my own life. One that I have had to deal with many times in the past. And that is a veil being over my face. And I have cried out to the Lord in the name of Jesus and I have asked that that veil be utterly removed from my face that I could see reality as it is. I had to begin asking the Lord, what is this veil about? And of course, that led me to 2 Corinthians, where Paul writes to the Christians about the sufficiency of Jesus and about What happened with Moses when he was with God and his face began to glow and when he came out of the presence of God, his face was so frightening that he had to put a veil over his face to hide the glory of God. The children of Israel were told 
were afraid to look at Moses. Now please hear what I'm trying to say to you. We live in a kingdom of light or in a kingdom of darkness. The light pierces the darkness and causes it to disappear. Moses was putting a veil over his own face so that the sons of Israel were not terrified. The minds of the children of Israel were told in 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verse 14, that their minds were hardened. He continues, but until the very day, the same veil at the reading of the old covenant remains not withdrawn, which in Christ is done away. But until this very day when Moses is read, a veil lies over their heart. But whether it is Israel may return to the Lord, the veil is taken away. In other words, when when people return to the Lord, the veil of darkness covering their face is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of Lord is, there is liberty. Now we all with faces having been unveiled, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as from the Lord, the Spirit. But in chapter 4, verse 4, it says, The God of this age blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that there may not be a shining forth to them of the enlightenment of the gospel of the glory of Christ. Now, as I look at that, I remember my pastor, my father in the faith, was David Wilkerson from the Times Square Church. He used to speak about this with tears. He would say, there is a principle involved here, and that principle is that today, in our age, the minds of men and women are clouded so that they cannot perceive the glory of Jesus. They're not able to understand the word. And I know in my own life, this has been a source of difficulty for me. And I've had to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, what is the issue involved here? How is it that I can be blinded? Well, it's, it's very simple. There is a kingdom of darkness and there is a kingdom of light. Most of us, all of us, were raised in the kingdom of darkness. And so as we begin to come out of that kingdom of darkness, we either come quickly into the blinding glory of Jesus Christ and our lives are utterly transformed. We leave all sin. We're born from above. We become new creatures in Christ. 
or there is a slow coming, as in the church at Laodicea, where there is a lukewarmness, where Jesus said, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Why? Because you're lukewarm. You're not cold and you're not on fire. You're not in darkness and you're not in light. You're in the the gray zone. You're not yet alive in Christ. You know, I was grieved recently in a in a prayer meeting. One man gets down on his knees and he earnestly begins to cry out to Jesus. The Spirit of God was moving in him. The veil was being removed from his eyes. But then others sat like bumps on the wall and did not pray. There was no unction or power or Spirit of God in them. Why? Well, because their eyes are veiled. Well, what veils the eyes of Christians today? Television, movies, too much consumption of the news, too much following after trials and events, too much entertainment, all entertainment, video games. One brother many years ago, I just couldn't, I couldn't get a breakthrough with him. I'd talk to him about Jesus. I'd confront him with the gospel. I'd call him, but I couldn't get a breakthrough with him. And then his wife shared with me that he was always playing a boxing video game that he loved violence. And suddenly I knew why his mind was clouded and he was unable to see in the spirit because he lusted after the violence. I spoke just this past week with two women. I spoke with them very honestly about the gospel one kind of blew me off. The other one engaged in intense conversation about Jesus and about her love for Jesus and about the miraculous deliverance in her life. And then another man came and he sat on the opposite side of me and the two of them were drawn together like magnets as they began to talk about making money. I politely excused myself and walked away and didn't talk with either one of them again for the rest of the evening. Why? Their minds were clouded by their lust for money. I've spoken to many people about the gospel. One woman said to me, No, I don't read the scriptures. 
and I don't pray. I've had men say the same thing to me. Why don't they read the scriptures and why don't they pray? Because when they try to read the scriptures, there is a veil over their face and it's boring and it puts them to sleep. But they can go watch a movie and they're wide awake. They're wide awake. Why? Because there's a veil over their face. They love the things of darkness and they don't love the things of righteousness. So they're in that in-between place. And then I talk with a person. I won't give a gender. I talk with a person. I see that there is a total block out. And then I discover that they are totally given to party time. They love to go to parties. Their life is in the social. And now I know why there is a veil over their face. They use their freedom as a cover-up for evil, for wickedness for the things of darkness, not the things of light. And, and I come today as one who also struggles with the veil over my face because I'm an American, and I'm pleading in Jesus that that veil would be utterly removed from my heart, that there would be nothing in my mind or my heart that would go after anything that would create a veil over my face in the spirit realm because I need Jesus. I need Jesus. And I, I come to Peter and he's so stridently honest Listen, First Peter, first chapter, verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience of the truth through the spirit in unhypocritical love, you must love one another out of a pure heart constantly. Well, what keeps us from loving one another constantly with a pure heart? We haven't purified our souls yet. By obedience. We haven't obeyed what the word of the Lord has told us to do. As one man said to me, with tears in his eyes, a strong man, a big man, a man's man, he told me about a time when the Holy Spirit came upon him and he was just overwhelmed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I said to him, are you living that way now? He looked at me. He said, no, no, I'm not. Well, why not? 
What is it that's keeping you from living that way right now in the spirit? And his answer was very telling. I think it was stunning to both him and to me. He said, When the Holy Spirit came, I was fully submitted to Jesus. I'm not fully submitted now. Oh, he wasn't walking in any known rebellion or sin. It's just he had a veil over his face because of the things he was looking at from the tree of the knowledge of good, not evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil is meant to cause us to have a veil over our eyes so that we don't even know our eyes are veiled, but we live more in the world of the world, flesh, and devil than we do in the spirit of the living God. And many of you today have a veil over your face, and some of you don't even know you have a veil over your face because you are so accustomed to just living your life and owning yourself and doing what you want to do, going where you want to go, thinking what you want to think, and you think that's all normal and that you're fine. Well, sit down and open the scriptures and begin to read and see if you go to sleep. Set aside an hour to pray and see if you are able to pray for an hour. Jesus said to Peter, could you not even watch and pray for an hour? Could you not even watch and pray for an hour? Real prayer doesn't start until after the hour is finished. You will quickly discover if you have a veil over your face. You have a veil over your face if when you read the scriptures, you yawn and go to sleep. You have a veil over your face when you get on your face before God and you run out of things to say in about three minutes. And you're unable to pray for an hour. I'll be honest with you. An hour is not enough time for me to but barely clear out the underbrush And I begin to pray after that for what the Lord would desire me to pray for. When was the last time you spent a night in prayer? Have you ever? Over and over I'm told by Christians today, you know, Pastor, when I try to pray, I just go to sleep. Well, why do you go to sleep? You go to sleep because it's not real. You have a veil over your face. You're dwelling in darkness with an overbrushing of the gospel of Jesus. You have lots of information, but you have no Holy Spirit power because you have a veil over your face. We have to cry out to God and ask him to remove that veil from our faces. See, the reality is found, and Peter says it very plainly to us. First Peter The first chapter, he says, all flesh is as grass. All the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withered and the flower falls away. 
but the word of the Lord abides forever. We need to get that in our heart. We need to understand that we're going to die, that we're here but for a short time. And if in the entire time we're here, there is a veil covering our face, we will not make it into the kingdom of God. We will go to hell. Even though we know the gospel, we have the information, but there's a veil over our face so that we don't weep before the Lord for our sin. We don't repent earnestly for our wickedness. In fact, we don't even know that we're wicked. We're fine. I'm as good as the next guy. I want to share with you something terrifying. There is a stone, a stone that has been rejected. He was crucified. He's meant to be the cornerstone. He's meant to be the cornerstone of a living temple. He's meant to be the cornerstone of a holy nation. He is a stone of stumbling. He is a snare. He's a rock of offense to those who have a veil over their faces. But but let me read this for you. I say this to you. I'll just read it. It's first Peter, the second chapter. I'll begin reading in verse eight. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. The ones being disobedient are stumbling at the word. And for their disobedience, they were put aside. Now, the word here is usually translated as predestined. The NIV translates it predestined. But as I look carefully at the issue, it's clear that it does not mean predestined here. It has a large variety of meaning. The word does. It can mean appointed or destined. But also it can mean that I am put or laid aside to lay away to set up, to put somewhere, to put away, to put out of sight. What's literally being said here, you understand, you cannot have, God does not damn any man without judiciary action. God does not condemn a man without taking legal action against him judging what he is what he does how he functions every person who is cast into hell 
will not be sent there because they did not turn to Jesus. They'll be cast there because they sinned against God and would not receive the repentance, would not receive the forgiveness, would not receive the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus. And a judiciary action will be taken that judges that person as unworthy to enter into the kingdom above. Now, let me read this for you again. This is a literal translation from the Lavender Bible. This is First Peter, the second chapter. The ones being disobedient are stumbling at the word. Why are they stumbling? Because they have a veil over their face. They can't see. They don't understand. And they're stumbling and they're walking in disobedience before God. And for that disobedience, they are put away, they're put aside. And I've been crying out to God for the last over a week, saying, Lord, please, do not put me aside. If you put me aside, the veil will be so powerful over my eyes that I'll think I'm fine while I'm walking in arrogance and, and sin against you and I can't be saved. I'm blind, naked, miserable, wretched, poor. That's what he said about the church at Laodicea. He said they're, they're blind and naked and poor and wretched. They don't even know their condition. That's the apostate American church. We don't even know our condition before a holy God because our eyes are veiled. I preached a sermon in a, in a church where I began to enumerate the sins that the Holy Spirit had told me were present in that church. And literally, men, specifically, began to laugh. They scorned what I was saying. When I said to them, if your attention is on the football game, if you love to sit and for hours watch the darkness of the television, you love to go smoke your cigars, you love to go party, you love to have that alcohol with that beer at night, you love sexual uncleanness, you love the pornography, then you're a sinner before God and you need to repent. And they laughed at me. They scorned it. One man afterwards said to me, Pastor, are you telling me that I am sinning against God by sitting down and enjoying all of the professional games? I said, well, brother, What's happening is the devil is putting a tight 
veil over your face so that you can't see your true condition before God, and so you have been immunized against righteousness and holiness. You don't even recognize that you're hell-bound. He was very offended. He said, I'm a minister in this church. I've been here for many years. I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. And you're crazy. Well, I understand what he was saying. He's saying, my eyes are totally veiled. I don't know my own true condition before God. I think I'm fine. And who are you to tell me I'm not fine? Get out of my face. I don't want to hear from you anymore. Okay. Shut up, pastor. Don't don't speak these things to us. We want pleasant words. We want things that tickle our ears, that inspire us, that make us cry a little and laugh a little and say, that was a good service. Are you kidding me? The ones being disobedient are stumbling at the word. And for that disobedience, they were put aside. Do you know today if you've been put aside? Do you know today if there's a veil over your face? Probably if you are saying, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, everything is cool. There's a veil over your face. Because there's no humility in your heart. There's no recognition of your desperate need for Jesus. Any Western Christian who makes those claims about himself is ignorant of his true heart condition before a holy and righteous God. I don't mean to offend you, please, but I do mean to speak the truth to you in love. The call of God is to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for the possession of God, so that you may proclaim the wonderful deeds of the one having called you out from darkness into his marvelous light. That's First Peter 2, verse 9. Now let me try to just Put it very plainly for us, please. We are literally called to leave the place of this world and to enter into Jesus Christ. And you cannot continue living a normal life and running with the world without having a veil over your face, put there by the devil. And that veil will block your ability to know your true condition before a holy God. And if you are unable to perceive your true spiritual condition, you cannot be saved. And you are hell-bound. We're talking here literally about two separate places. 
when a person leaves behind the things of darkness, when a person leaves behind, well, let me go back. 1 Peter 1, verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience of the truth through the Spirit in unhypocritical love, you must love one another. In other words, when you leave behind the bitterness, the anger, when you leave behind your ambition, your goals, when you leave behind your bucket list, when you leave behind everything of the world, the flesh, and the devil, when you leave all of that behind and you enter into Jesus, you suddenly find that Jesus is much bigger than the world's life. When you're in the world, it seems like that's the great place. That's the huge space to live in. That's the place where everything is happening. But when you move into that new space, it's the big space. And now you're about building the kingdom of God with your time and your money and your energy. Now your heart's conversation is about people and how to win them to Jesus Christ. How to call them out of the filth of this world. And I mean filth. There has been an absolute collapse of moral values in America today. Everywhere we turn, there is murder, uncleanness, debauchery. Everywhere we turn, people are stealing. People are cheating. There's corruption everywhere in government. From our highest office, from our president, who is utterly corrupt. His policies are utterly without value in Jesus. A nation that defends the murder of babies of Christians who believe that it's all right to be a sodomist, who believe it's all right to live like Sodom and Gomorrah, and to even ordain as leaders in the church and pastors, sodomists, people who are utterly unclean. The church has become like the world today filled with ambition, money-making. It's all about an institutional business. Please, can I say this honestly to you? The church is not an institution. Where you find a religious institution, you do not find the church. The church is a body. It is a people. It is the people of God who have come together to proclaim the salvation to the lost and to the dying. It is not a business. It is not a place of entertainment. It's not a place that we rent out for concerts. Are you kidding me? 
If your pastor and your leadership rents your church out for concerts, you're in the midst of hell and you need to get out of that church. You need to run. If your pastor stands up in front of the congregation and tells jokes and laughs, you need to get out of there. That church is hellbound. The Spirit of God has been removed from it. Now please, I'm not trying to be unpleasant, but we've got to deal with this veil that is over the body of Jesus Christ today and over the membership of the body of Jesus Christ today that causes us to no longer look like or sound like Christians. We talk like, we act like, we look like the world. Well, if a duck quacks, if it walks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, it's a duck. So today the Christian church in America is filled with pagans spray-painted on the outside to look like Jesus. Pious pastors who are hirelings. They're for the money, for the prestige, for the power. Or they're just people who like to do the social action. But they're dead. They're twice dead. So please hear what I'm saying to you. There is the body of death. There is the darkness where a veil is over the eyes of those who are in the darkness. There is a veil over the eyes of the church at Laodicea. And then there is a place of joy and life There's a place of power. There's a place of incredible joy. There's a place where we dwell together in love as brothers and sisters, caring for one another, sacrificing for one another, nurturing one another in the name of Jesus. A place where we pray for one another place where a people where the Holy Spirit dwells. A place where the veil is either being removed or has been removed. The church talks today about wanting to have revival in America. If the Holy Spirit came to the church in America right now, Probably 90% of it would drop dead like Ananias and Sapphira. Now, if the Holy Spirit came today, and he will come soon, it would be a time of great weeping, of great mourning, because he would rip the veil off the eyes of the church and for the first time the church would see themselves as Jesus sees them. And then they're either going to repent or they're going to rebel and the church will be finished. I know that Jesus 
holds the church as the apple of his eye. And I know there is a remnant of people today who are walking holy before God. And I praise the Lord Jesus for each one of you who is doing that. Even those of us who are walking holy before God still must continue to pray that every evidence of the veil would be removed from us. I have a dear brother in the faith. And he weeps much before God. He cries out to the Lord. Because the Lord took the veil from his face and he sees his heart as it is before God. And he's so broken and it's been now month after month after month after month he weeps before God. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Pride clouds our vision. So many times I've had to deal with men who are so self-righteous. Oh, God told me this and this and this, and off they go to do their deal. But in the midst of all of that, there is suffering and pain in their family. There's arrogance in their heart. There's judgments against other believers. There's a sense of superiority. Look who I am. Oh, they don't say that, but it's stench. It's stink. The stench of pride is so prominent in their lives that it's hard to be around them. I tell you, my brother, my sister, I want you to know Jesus. I want you to cry out to the Lord that he would remove the veil from your eyes, that he would not set you aside for your disobedience. What a tragedy it would be if you were set aside and God says, I can't do anything with this man anymore. I'm done with him. I'm going to set him aside and I'm going to leave him there. And I'm not going to break his heart anymore. I don't want God to set you aside. Oh God, I come in the name of Jesus. And I ask, oh my Lord, my Savior, that you would remove the veil from our eyes, from all of our eyes, that you would not have to set us aside for our disobedience that we don't even know is disobedience. Because we've had a veil over our eyes and we can't rightly see our standing before you and we don't understand your holiness and we don't understand what it means to be made holy. For we're so full of ourselves. We're so full of our plans. We're in such a hurry to go do our ministry or go do whatever it is we're called to do. Lord, would you just stop us? Would you not set us aside because of our disobedience? Lord, there's nothing uglier to me than a pastor who is walking with a veiled face and doesn't even know his true condition before you. I plead, Lord, that I would not be that pastor. 
Lord, I plead that you would remove the veil from our faces. That you would cause us to see our true condition. That we would see the pride and the arrogance of our hearts. That we would see the laziness the laid-back attitude of I'm fine, I'm saved, I'm on my way to heaven, when in fact there's no righteousness and no Holy Spirit power. Lord, people say to me, it's not my job to bring people to Jesus. And they confess that they have not brought anyone to you in five years. There's a veil over their face, Lord. In their arrogance, they think they're fine, but they're hell-bound. Lord, the church today is not going to come alive until that veil is removed and we can see truly and honestly our condition, unadulterated condition before you. And your Holy Spirit speaking plainly, saying, repent. Lord, would you come and do that now? Would you do that now in the hearts of people who are listening? Would you come expose our hearts before a holy and righteous Jesus? Come quickly, Lord. Come quickly, Jesus. Well, we're out of time for today's broadcast. I'm very grateful that you've been listening. I ask you to send it on to someone else. And I also need to begin talking to you about finances. We've been dropping down month after month, eating away the little reserve that I had. I've put everything I had in. I need your help to stay on the air. And I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will move in your heart, that you will give. We'll soon be at the end of this month. And I'm going to go back and do what I did a long time ago. I stopped doing offertories because I got some very upset complaints saying, Pastor, you're always asking for money. Well, money is not my issue. But the issue for me is the continuance of the broadcast. And the Lord told me when I came on this broadcast some years ago, he said, pass an offering plate. That's what I do at my churches. I pass an offering plate. It is a part of worship. So at the end of this month, I'll be doing that. I'd love to hear from you. You can go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. That would be a great encouragement to me to see you step forward and begin to pick up this slack again. Or you can write to me at National Prayer Chapel. National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346. Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 
Again, that's National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I also would ask if you're watching on YouTube, would you subscribe to our channel? Would you post a, a link on your YouTube channel or on your Facebook or Instagram? God bless you, my brother, my sister. Pray for me. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>